Hi, everybody. Happy weekend. Welcome into the special Broncos Europe episode ahead of uh, Monday Night Football. Like, I didn't expect this, Colm. Uh, can't complain. All good. Colm, 10 p.m. start on Monday night. Yeah, we, I mean, I, while obviously we feel for fans who will be in work in Denver, uh, from a European perspective, from an Irish perspective, we couldn't have asked for any more. It, it, it makes the, you know, uh, elongates the weekend, I feel, and kind of 10, 10 o'clock is kind of perfect. You can, you know, have a couple of beers and still get a night's sleep and get into work on the Tuesday. Well, we're joined today by... Uh, well, friend of the show now, Denver Broncos, Arik, Arik, um, happy Friday. This has obviously been recorded on a Friday, but uh, a little change to your weekend. Uh, it's good to have you on after a few weeks. It's hard to believe, Arik, it's week five, isn't it? No? I know, it has uh, gone fast. The last time when I watched that introduction, most of those guys were still healthy, unfortunately. <laughs> now, uh, about half of those guys are done for the year, but good to be back with you guys. <laughs> you're the first person to mention that because i was dying to mention that on a show once or like put it as a tweet and it's like ah yeah hopefully though um let's see what happens maybe maybe we might have drew lock back for, for monday night Eric, you must um i mean does this time change uh does it does it impact you much I know, I know you're working remotely this year but does it impact your plans much this weekend or is it more just you're just happy to have the game uh well yeah i mean for now just happy to have the game obviously we've got a so we're recording this on a friday Still got a few days to go here. Got to get through Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning with uh, no positive tests, I would think, in order for the game to go off on Monday afternoon. The Broncos did not practice on Friday. They're going to do a practice on uh, Saturday. And then, you know, I don't know if they do a quick walkthrough before flying out Sunday or what the plan will be there. But there's a little bit of an adjustment. And, you know, we saw some guys like Shelby Harris express on Twitter that they weren't too happy about the change in schedule but listen you know it gives a guy like mike purcell an extra day to get healthy maybe it gives drew lock an extra day to get healthy i think the big thing and i'm sure we'll talk about this is does that mean it cam newton has enough time to get off the reserve covid 19 list that's the biggest question mark here is does moving to this game you know get give cam enough time to pass those tests and if it does then i think you'll have a lot of uh, broncos fans who aren't too happy that the game has gotten moved to monday but Otherwise, you know, not too much of a difference. They're playing at about the same time. So, you know, they'll uh, get home probably just half an hour later than they would if they were playing at 425 Eastern on uh, Sunday. So, you know, they'll be okay. I think they'll, they've handled a lot of stuff, guys, you know, between all the injuries and hmm. the strange training camp and going to this is their third time to the East Coast in five weeks. They've been able to uh, handle some of those things. And if you get to two and three here, season's entirely different so uh, i think things should be okay yeah I, I think that's that's exactly it i i know you can understand where broncos fans are upset about the cam newton thing but i i don't see what else the league can do i mean if if they don't push it given you know the, the positive tests you're, you're risking even more players health so i think uh you know you you, you win some you lose some on that and I guess the hope for for the Broncos is, I mean, the 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 last time we had you on, Eric, I, I suppose we we had all the injuries, things hadn't started off the way we wanted, but the the last game against the Jets, we saw a, a big performance from Melvin Gordon. We saw, you know, um, the. I, I, 
Bradley Chubb, you know, uh, had a, a, I guess, a comeback game. And we saw, you know, so, some nice play from from others. I, I was pretty impressed by Shelby Harris uh, impersonating The Undertaker and picking himself up off the, the floor uh, a few times and just showing his his toughness. Um, we got Philip Lindsay back. Um, and there, there, as you said, that there might be uh, a couple of others. What do you think, um, you know, are, are are the team's chances going into to Foxborough? Well, I, I do think it, you know, it depends completely on if Cam Newton's playing because he is, you know, probably not an MVP level, but certainly a top 10 quarterback in the league. And what makes him so difficult is that their offense is completely different with him than it is with Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer because he brings that threat of running the ball at any time. And we've seen from week to week, the Patriots vary the game plan. And so in week one, I think he ran the ball 15 times and only threw it like 19, something like that. And so you have to be ready for that element. If you're the Broncos defensive cam plays. And that means, you know, do you stay in base defense and keep an extra linebacker or defensive lineman on the field? Do you have to crowd the box a little bit more? And obviously then that puts pressure on a secondary that, still doesn't have A.J. Boye to stand up against Cam, who has been pretty accurate this year, I think over 68% of his passes. Um, so, so that's number one is does Cam play and call him to go back one second. I think that the interesting thing for me about postponing this game is that Cam's test result came out on a Saturday morning, and mm. they decided that afternoon to push the game in Kansas City to Monday. Stefan Gilmore's uh, positive test came out Wednesday, and they decided Thursday afternoon after two more rounds, essentially, of no positive tests to move the game till Monday. So I don't know if that's, you know, the league learning that they need to uh, extend the period of time to make sure there's no new cases. Or if they're just going to decide that if there's any positive test during the week, a game is going to get shifted back. But to me, you'd like to see a little consistency there, right? Because um, you saw the Lions and the Saints, there was a positive test and they confirmed that it was a false positive and they played the game as scheduled. But, you know, I think all anybody NFL players are creatures of habit. All anybody wants is consistency. And so let's figure out, you know, there's a positive test Wednesday. Does that always mean you're going to move to Monday? There's a positive test Friday. Does that mean you're going to Tuesday or what, what's kind of the protocol here? And I get that they're working it out as it goes along. I don't envy them from that standpoint, but it is uh, tricky over here uh, to, to get back to the question. Sorry for that little, detour there but without without cam i think the broncos have a a great chance and you know i'm not going to say if cam newton plays there's no way the broncos win i just think it's substantially more difficult listen we know bill belichick probably better than anyone in the entire league at taking away your best option and for the broncos like you guys mentioned right now that's melvin gordon and that's philip Lindsay coming back because there is no noah fant probably there's no kj hamler we don't know if drew lock will play so I would expect the Patriots to dare Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, or excuse me, you know, shut them down and dare somebody else to beat you. And, you know, I think it's entirely possible, you know, no Stefan Gilmore. So Brett Rippon, I thought looked comfortable. He made a few bad decisions against the jets, but they had two passes of more than 40 yards. They had four of more than 20 yards. They were able to push the ball down the field. And I thought he, I mean, guys, from an awareness standpoint, just way light years ahead of what we saw in week three and, this isn't an offensive line that gave up 13 sacks in two weeks and then zero on either side of that just because of talent or execution. 
that has to do with the quarterback position. And so I think Rippon helped a lot in that area. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to throw the ball, I think. And if you can complete some of those downfield passes, then maybe things get a little easier for Gordon and for Lindsey. Um, let's get those guys on the field at the same time, too. I like what they can do when, uh, you know, a linebacker's got to choose. Do I go with Melvin Gordon on a flare round, or do I stay with Philip Lindsey and uh, puts the Broncos in position to succeed on offense? Let's hope we have that situation on, on Monday night. I actually agree with what you're saying, Eric, completely in regards to that whole analysis with COVID in the NFL. And Colum as well, like, uh, Eric, we had a situation last night for Ireland in soccer where two players, Colum, were uh, in close contact, very close to the game, and they couldn't travel uh, in a huge, huge game. So it's, it's going to happen in leagues across the world, and it is a very fluid situation. And I guess it remains to be seen what's going to happen over these next few weeks. I guess for us, Eric, trying to you know get through Monday night then I know we play Miami next week. Um, just trying to get to that. But I think if we can get to that bye week, and I'll tell you what, if we can get a result on Monday night in New England, regardless if Cam plays or not, the season's right back there again. For you know, Forgetting about the game next week, getting to week seven with the injuries that we've had, if we can still have that hope, I think it's a, I think it would be a great, a great achievement from this team so far. Yeah, I love that. Get a result. I like that more than uh, get a win. I might have to start using that. Uh, <laughs> but you're, you're right. You're exactly right. This team was kind of dead in the water a week ago at 0-3. And, and uh, in part because New England looked so intimidating with Cam, with Gilmore, and a defense that they held Kansas City to six points for a long time on Monday. Um, but if you're able to get this win, you know, you think that means you're good enough to – beat Miami at home. Miami is one in three right now. Um, I don't know who they're playing this weekend, but I'd imagine probably a tough matchup for them. Um, you probably get Drew Locke back next week if you don't get him back this week. Maybe A.J. Boye is ready. Uh, we've seen Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker uh, you know, work on side fields this week. K.J. Hamler has been rehabbing. So, yeah, maybe you get to the bye at three and four just because – Kansas City is going to be tough to beat. So, I, you know, maybe the Broncos can pull it off, but I'm never going to assume that's a, a win. Um, you get to three and four at the bye, you're right in this thing. I mean, we've talked for a long time about how this first four-game stretch was the most difficult part of the schedule. You know, not the Jets never seemed like they'd be great, but maybe a little bit better. But the mm-hmm. just traveling out east on a short week always seemed challenging. And so I've said for a long time, if they could get to two and two, you know, or three and three, they'd be fine. And maybe they're not doing it the conventional way that I thought they'd do it. But if they can get to three and three, you're right back in it. The Raiders have a tough schedule. The Chargers already have three losses. You look at a team like the Colts or the Browns. One of those guys is going to get a second loss this week when they play each other. So, yeah, anyone around 500 is going to be in the mix at the end. And listen, regardless of if they make it or not, if an 0-3 hole is too much, this team can play competitive football that means something in November and December. And that's so important for Drew Locke, for Jerry Judy, uh, for Bradley Chubb. You know, they've got to decide if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. He's finally showing that he's passed the corner for the injury there. But this team has a lot to play for still this season. And a win this weekend or a result this weekend would be uh, huge. But I don't really like to think about going back to one and four and all of a sudden you're kind of in that same uh, – dark place that we've been in for a couple weeks here 
Well, let, let's avoid the, the dark place and, and focus on another uh, positive for, for the Broncos who maybe he flew under the radar and he, he possibly shouldn't because he, he always came up big when he was targeted and that's Tim Patrick. But obviously, he, Tim, Tim this year has seen you know a lot, a lot more uh, of the ball given the injuries. And um, as I said, I, like I, he's always impressed when when we have gone to him in the past. He had the breakout game um, against the the Jets. I'm wondering, Eric, as, as somebody who's in the the building, it it feels like there's a lot of kind of goodwill amongst his teammates. Like this is a popular guy, and they're really happy to to see him have that that breakout game. Yeah, Tim's great. He's funny. Uh, he's a nice guy. You know, he's worked hard for this another undrafted player that got cut a few times. It seems that's kind of like a, a revolving storyline here in Denver is this guy didn't get his chance. And now in Denver is making it happen. Um, and, you know, we kind of thought this breakout was coming last year. I'm sure you guys remember going into the Oakland mm-hmm. game in week one, everyone was like, Oh, well, you know, they got Cortland Sutton. They got Deshaun Hamilton. Of course, Emmanuel Sanders is here, but, you know, it seems like Tim Patrick can take a step and he gets hurt and then he kind of showed out a little bit against Minnesota, but it just, he never really found his stride. I do think he's a guy that can continue to contribute. He's, he's reliable. He's consistent. Uh, he knows what he's doing out there and he is playing. It's not a lot, but he is, he and Deshaun Hamilton are playing more snaps than Jerry Judy for whatever reason. Um, so it's clear the coaching staff likes those guys. I expected a little bit more out of Deshaun based on the training camp he had. And, you know, we still got 12 games to go, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if is Tim ever going to be a number one wide receiver. I don't know. But he's he's good enough and consistent enough that he's one of those quality role players that you want around to complement the Suttons and the Judys and the Hamblers of your team. And yeah, that that game and talking about even Sutton there, that, that game in Pittsburgh seems like so long ago now. Um, but we've we've had those two home games, obviously against the Titans and the Bucks. Uh, how have you found? I mean, I'm presuming you're in a stadium, Mark, for for those two games. How have you found the uh, limited capacity? Obviously, a big difference in week one and week three, but uh, starting to get a few more fans in the gates. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to do uh, at least 5,700 for the rest of the year, um, which is nice to hear. It was weird against the Titans um, just because, especially like when the teams ran out on the field, there was just no noise. It was completely silent. Um, and I had a couple buddies who, who went and they said, you know, when there was an injury or they weren't playing the music on the Jumbotron, it was just, you could have heard the coach on the opposite sideline just talking. Um, week three was better just because you had fans in there. It wasn't many, but they were at least spread or spread out along these lower two bowls. So it, you know, it, it kind of looked like it might have uh, at the very end of a week four preseason game, you know, with two minutes left as people are filing out of there. <laughs> too many uh, too many Buccaneers jerseys, though, that week. A lot of Tom Brady jerseys, a lot of Mike Evans. I don't know how they got all those tickets off of what I would assume was a limited secondary market. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, let's uh, after last night's uh, result, let's see uh, if the the Brady bandwagon has as many people on it in the That's in true. the weeks to come. Um, one thing, Eric, that I, I suppose it it kind of comes up every every time we we play and the Patriots. There's any number of things we could discuss, but one of the things that you know it is discussed but never that um, 
gets that much play is the fact that Bill Belichick was a Bronco at, at one point. Uh, and he talked about that again um, this this week. Uh, and I suppose he's, he, he seems to talk about it all the time. He seemed to really learn a lot from his time here. I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on Belichick. This, you know, we you mentioned it earlier. He can take your, you know, your weapons away. He's the defensive, you know, minded genius going up against Fangio. I mean, that should be quite interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, in terms of him being in Denver, it's kind of like a fun little fact that I don't know how many people know, but he was here in '78, which was Randy Gratishar's defensive player of the year season. I tried asking him about that, and he didn't he didn't give me too much on uh, Gratisher's Hall of Fame case. And then Jeff Legwald, who has worked with Belichick in those Hall of Fame decisions, he got a little more out of him in terms of uh, some of those great players that he worked with and coaches like Joe Collier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the coaching matchup this week, of course, you've got one of the best – well, not one of – probably the best coach of all time with Bill Belichick in terms of what he can do in taking away your best option – in terms of getting his team to avoid mistakes, you know, they're never going to beat themselves. And you watch so many NFL games and it's not, you know, it's not that a team made an incredible throw or, you know, made a, a great catch here or they sack the quarterback or they pick this off. So many teams do that stuff and then they lose the game because they hurt themselves with a penalty or like they don't know situations. That's why it was so strange to see on Thursday night, Brady not realizing it was fourth down because that's the type of thing you never see in new England. And so, I mentioned, you know, in a preview piece we're doing, the Broncos have to be better than they were a week ago in terms of turning the ball over, having all those penalties. The Broncos had eight for, I think, 80-something yards. I mean, you're not going to beat the Patriots if you're being penalized that much or if you're losing the turnover battle three to nothing. It's just not going to happen. I will say Vic does have a, a great defense. It sounds like Bill Belichick has a lot of respect for him and what he's done. It's just a... It's different because as play callers, maybe they're similar, but Bill Belichick, the head coach, obviously has more experience, uh, more time to kind of work on these situational things. But I will say that, and I think it was against the Seahawks, Belichick also faced some questions about his timeout usage. So it's not uh, only reserved for Vic Fangio. I think every coach tends to make those mistakes from time to time. Colin will have to get the hoodies, the Sides cut for, for Monday night. Um, here, lads, obviously, well, Colin, first of all, no confirmation yet if the game is going to be on TV over here when the UK and Ireland are. The game for the Chiefs last week was put on an extra game here, which never happens. So we like to hope that uh, some sort of favoritism, uh, Sky Sports might be used in that sense. Anyway, back back to the talk of the game. Uh, I'm I'm interested in this, Arc, as somebody that studied accountancy in college, like, I'm very prudent, okay? So, like, for me, I'm like, Drew Locke, if he's still not 100%, I'm like, please just wrap him in cotton wool. Let him let him practice. I'm just concerned. Like, you know, I hope I'm not playing this again during the week. But I just, I, if he's not, for me, if he's not like 100% or like 90%, I don't want him to play. But do you think, I mean, in, in regards, to, I, I think he had a good practice yesterday. So do you think he's almost there? Yeah, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't play against Tennessee at the very least. Um, in week six. So I think we're, you know, back in that range of being able to talk about it. And you look at a guy like Cortland Sutton, after he hurt his shoulder, he was, I think, limited that last day before Tennessee and then listed as questionable and didn't play. Philip Lindsay last week was limited before the Jets game, 
not really a real practice, didn't play. I think Vic Fangio tends to be just a little cautious with those guys, um, which there's nothing bad about that. And I do think the Broncos still made the right move by keeping Drew off IR because had they put him on there, he wouldn't have even been able to practice until, well, now because the game has been moved until essentially Wednesday or Thursday, and that would have made it hard for him to get back against the Dolphins. I do think there's a small chance he plays. I would, you know, and this is not anything I know for sure, but just kind of my intuition is I would be surprised if he plays this week Um, from what I've seen during the media viewing portion of practice. uh, You know, Brett Rippon is still doing stuff like a little bit more than Drew. Um, But listen, in terms of if they should play him or not, I think it all depends on can he hurt it worse? You know, and because it's not structural and it sounds mm-hmm. like it's just a bruise, they should be able to tell him, like, hey, if he gets hit again in this shoulder, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna make it worse and he's gonna be out for three more weeks. But if they say, you know, they could hit him there and he could be out for three weeks, but they could hit him in this shoulder and he can be out for three weeks, and there's no increased risk of injury by playing him this week. And it's just about it's about pain tolerance and it's about how effective he can be. Well, then you have to decide, is, an, is Drew Locke at 80% or 70% or 90% wherever he is, is that better than Brett Rippon at 100%? And I, you know, I don't know the answer to that based on the varying percentages, but this, you know, I'm of the mindset that if you win this game, you are right back in the postseason conversation, even though it's only week five. It's a massive, massive game. And so you can't just say like, well, he's ready to go or like he'd be able to play but like, let's just be safe about it because the difference between two and three and one and four is, you know, it's massive. And so if Drew Locke can play and is not going to hurt himself more, I would, I would see what you have. Yeah, I, I think there, there's definitely, um, you know, been talk. I mean, I, I know um, Stuart Roach, who, who's um, sometimes on with us, definitely feels the same, Eric, in terms of he really feels this is a pivotal moment in the season because if you, and, 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 the Patriots aren't the Patriots of old. So if, if you can, you know, if you go to, to two and three and you have one away from home, you know, you're really buoyed by that. So that will be will be interesting. One of the things we talked about over the summer um, with you was that camaraderie um, that exists in the team. We mentioned it earlier in terms of Tim Patrick. One of, one of the things that was really pleasing um, to see was Mike Purcell get that deal. Um, he's he's really great guy. We had him on. We, we chatted to him. He was really generous with his time. It seems like, you know, there, there's a good group of guys there and i mean really good to see him get rewarded yeah i feel like i'm a little bit in like the UP debate here but to go back to the other question for one second you know <laughs> it uh we talk about when you lose games you're supposed to lose or when you lose games you're supposed to win like the titans home game stands out to me in my opinion then you have to steal one somewhere else to be able to get where you need to go and to me beating a patriots team that does or doesn't have Cam Newton, but doesn't have Stephon Gilmore on the road. That's a game that three weeks ago, I would have thought there's no chance they could win. So that'd be stealing one. Uh, In regards to Mike, you know, he's, again, the Broncos have all these guys that, you know, maybe they were going to go be a firefighter. Maybe they were going to give up. You've got a Devontae Bosby who's going to start this week, it sounds like. Um, You you have to feel good for those guys. Um, Mike's not a, 
You know, he's not a superstar. He's probably not going to be an all pro player, but he's a really solid football player. Um, he's the type of guys that you need to supplement a Bradley Chubb, a Justin Simmons, a Cortland Sutton, a Jerry Judy, a Drew Locke, a Noah Fant. I mean, you need those role players around them. And when you look at really good NFL teams from top to bottom, they have those guys like Mike Purcell. And I hope he can play this week after getting the extension. I'm sure he wants to as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the success success stories we like to see. And some other guys that I think they could uh, try to lock up here too, whether it's Alexander Johnson, who will be a RFA this year, whether that's figuring out something with Garrett Bowles. I think I saw John Elway did an interview and said they'd address that more at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, a couple more guys, they got McManus done. So people kind of think season starts and you're done with team building until the next off season, but some important uh, moments here over the final uh, few months of the season. Yeah, it just rolls and rolls and rolls. I'm proud to say my modern franchise guys were six and zero after Miami, and I have restructured Justin Simmons' contract, and I've also uh, got Purcell and Brandon McManus down. Uh, final question for me, Ark. Uh, actually, I seen you and Phil talked about it on the Neutral Zone podcast, so check that out on the Broncos website. Uh, you were comparing how Cam Newton and Von Miller, obviously in the same draft class, how they ranked their peers. I listen to about three quarters of that podcast. I'm just wondering, obviously, what is your thought on that draft? Because it's so pivotal now, especially if Cam plays. Like, just that whole, it comes back in the last time that we really properly play. I know we play Cam the first game after Super Bowl 50, but that the, the really big game now for us, it's it's good to have him. Hopefully, well, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but let's see what happens. Uh, just your thoughts on that draft cast. Yeah, I mean, you've got a bunch of potential Hall of Famers there. You know, I don't think Cam is probably one, but Vaughn obviously is a Hall of Famer. Patrick Peterson's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Julio Jones, I would think for sure. You know, maybe AJ Green. He's probably on the edge. And then you've got JJ Watt at 11. And, you know, the list goes on as you go down. I was thinking about it after Phil and I ended that conversation is the thing that kind of hurts that draft class is that outside of Cam and, you know, Kaepernick, you can kind of argue that he had obviously had some great years there. But there's not a, there's not a Peyton Manning. There's not an Aaron Rodgers. There's not a uh, Patrick Mahomes from that draft class, which I think hurts it a little bit when you're comparing it to some mm. of the best ones of all time. And you know, Phil and I were talking about, would the Panthers still do the same thing? Would they take Cam again with the first overall pick, knowing what you know now? And I think three Pro Bowls and taking you to a Super Bowl is enough to justify doing that again because they needed a quarterback. I think Jimmy Clausen was there. Um if you don't take Cam, you're going to be right back there the next year. And so it was, you know, do you do you want Cam and Luke Keekley in 2012, or do you want, uh, I don't know, Julio Jones and uh, Brandon Whedon or RG3 <laughs> the next year? Like, it's, you know, it's just a uh, – those are about the same. Obviously, the Broncos would stick with Vaughn there at number two. I mean, he's just been uh, such a tremendous player, has cemented his legacy here. Um, hopefully – He's back next year, and obviously the big story this week in Denver was about that radio interview that he did. You know, it, it hasn't even been reported that the Broncos asked or are going to ask Vaughn to take a pay cut. So I think that's a little premature, and um, you know they could extend him too if they if they said, you know, if he comes back and has a few sacks, sign him to a three year extension, and that spreads out the cap. There are ways to handle this that 
Vaughn could still be in a Broncos jersey here next year and see how he rehabs first and comes back before we start asking the guy to take a pay cut. It seems a little premature to me. <laughs> yeah, I I think um, in in terms though of Cam on what you're saying, yeah, right now he's certainly not holding. But if there's one coach who can make True. you, I mean, when you consider, if you take, say, <laughs> Julian Edelman, I think is a good example because Julian Edelman so suddenly shows up in the playoffs every year, right? Ordinarily, you got Julian, but every single January, everyone makes the case, oh, suddenly Julian Edelman must be a Hall of Famer. And then you compare his numbers to somebody like Wes Welker and you go, no, he's, he's not. So I think depending on how Cam does in New England, it could be uh, an interesting second Oof. half to his uh, his career, uh, certainly. And maybe he, maybe it, maybe. And I, I was skeptical when he went there, but maybe Cam going there a bit later in his career, having learned what he does, having come through the injuries, now would really appreciate a coach like Belichick. That could be in, an interesting one to watch. I mean, that, they have to give him some weapons because I don't think they have them, which helps us. Um, so certainly um in comparison to, to previous years eric i suppose as we as we look to round up um i mean i know it's it's difficult we're doing this on on friday and we don't know the status of a number of different players so maybe maybe there is a, a witten without cam and a witten without uh, drew Locke. but <laughs> what's what's your gut say about um about monday yeah you know i'm gonna assume that neither cam nor drew plays um you know everyone's kind of talking about hey if cam newton has two negative tests separated by 24 hours he can practice tomorrow and he can be at walkthrough on sunday and he can go that's like we don't know enough about this virus to know how likely that is you know he's asymptomatic but does that mean the virus is out of his body i mean we just we don't know is that going to show up on a pcr test we've seen some players still having traces show up a month after or two months after. I think there was like a punter in Cleveland or something, or I can't remember exactly mm. who it was, but the guy was still testing positive two months after he had it. Mm. And you look at Vaughn, he tested positive April 16th. April 30th is the day that his negative test came back. Now, he wasn't getting tested every day, so maybe it would have come back clean sooner, but I just think that, you know, maybe he comes back and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to wish for this guy to have coronavirus any longer than he needs to. You know, I hope he's healthy. But um, I just I think it's a long shot to just assume that he's magically healed in a week. Um, so saying if they both don't play, I actually like the Broncos chances here um, because, you know, Gilmore might even be a bigger injury than Cam just because they can't then stop the run and say we're going to single cover Jerry Judy with Stefan Gilmore and just take our chances. You know, now maybe Judy's able to get open. Um, I, I liked Brett Rippon's poise against the Jets. He made some bad decisions, but rebounded really well um, on that last drive. That throw to Tim Patrick was a great pass. The decision-making on the intentional grounding was obviously a little questionable, but I think he'll he'll learn there. But, you know, he has the, the smarts, the mechanics, the arm strength, you know, the ability to take shots down the field that you need to win this game. And, you know, Vic Fangio's defense should be able to fluster Ryan Hoyer or Jared Stidham, neither of whom looked particularly impressive. So if that's the QB matchup, 
I really like the Broncos' chance. It doesn't mean they'll win. They, they still have to be clean and avoid turnovers and get some more takeaways and avoid penalties and all that stuff just because the margin for error is smaller than it might be for a, a team like the Chiefs. But I think I really like their chances of getting to two and three. If Cam plays, um, it'll take more of a Herculean effort, I think, from the defense and uh, Brett Rippon. You know, maybe Cam's not in great shape. Maybe he can't, mm. he's not a hundred percent, but still he brings a dynamic that, you know, if it's Hoyer and Stidham, maybe you need to, maybe you can win 20 to 17. If it's Cam, you probably have to win 30 to 27. And that, as we've seen for the Broncos, uh, has been a little bit tougher to do. And that's one element, one element, even as we're wrapping up now, one thing we haven't even talked about really, McManus as well, going to be key as well. But hopefully, lads, we see this a wee bit on Monday night. Uh, <laughs> a little bit more dancing there. Uh, here, lads, just, just before we go really quickly, uh, our pregame show is on Monday night, but we've got pregame in English, Italian, French, German, and Spanish. Don't know what the times are yet, Eric, because I don't know what time the game is going to properly be at. But apparently it's a 10 o'clock, so we'll see what happens. It's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, hopefully the next time we're speaking to you, we are um, in week 10 and we're in a positive record. And Look, Eric, in an alternative universe right now, we're sitting in a pub in London getting ready for uh, a big weekend and the Nuggets are in game five of the NBA Finals. Well, that's, uh, a, so. that's a little bit of a crazy alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> For, uh, yeah, London, we wish we could be there. Obviously, we're all looking forward to that trip and really hopeful that, well, one, that things are back to normal by next season and then uh, that the Broncos are kind of prioritized in terms of London, whether that's, you know, maybe there's more games over there or whatever the solution might be. But, yeah, we uh, it's a, one of the bigger bummers of the season is that we're not able to get there to see you guys and see the uh, many – probably among the most loyal Broncos fans we have because you guys are up at all times of the night watching the team and happy for you What time was that game on last week, Colin? That, that Jets game, 5 a.m.? Uh, oh, yeah, like, the, the, that, that, <laughs> game went, that, that game went down. It, it was it was 10 to, 10 to 4.50 by the time that finished here. Gosh, you guys and the timeouts at the end, Ark. The timeouts at the end were just like peeing. Yeah. You're probably like, what is going on here? Yeah, I we we were ready to 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 take on Adam Gase and Greg <laughs> Williams for ruining our sleep, let alone what they were doing to Brett Ripon. Stay, stay on. Uh, Eric, it's it's been a pleasure having you on. I hope you hope you enjoy the game on, on Monday. And uh, yeah, chat to you soon, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you guys.